Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. This episode, uh, we're bringing a guest back. Uh, we recently released an interview with Steve Kravak, who, of course, uh, produced, worked on a number of fantastic albums from bands like MXPX, Less Than Jake, the OC Supertones, the Dingies, just to name a few. One of those bands that he happened to work with was Slick Shoes. And of course, Slick Shoes uh, recently made some made some waves, made some headlines in the punk rock, the skate punk world uh, when they announced that they were back together and they were releasing a new album, brand new full-length album that is set to come out. Uh, and here's the thing. We thought, why not? We had Steve on. So let's talk about the new Slick Shoes album. Before we get into the interview with Aaron and Steve Kravak, though, I uh, just thought I'd mention, make sure you go and follow us on all of our social media outlets at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter. You got us on Facebook as well. Uh, we're on YouTube where we uh, release the full episodes, but we also do vlogs and stuff like that. So uh, the episodes on YouTube, of course, don't feature any of the music. So if you want the full experience, make sure you're listening on your favorite podcast app and you can find us on all your favorite podcast apps. You can also find us at growingpunkpod.com. Uh, we've got blogs, we've got reviews, we've got all sorts of stuff going on there as well so without further ado we're, we're not going to waste any more time i will say this now uh, there was a bit of technical difficulties at the beginning of this interview so we're going to jump into it at one point uh, and i just wanted to say we're jumping in steve is talking about how he kind of reconnected or stayed connected with the slick shoes guys on growing up punk Yeah, a little bit through the tooth, a little, a little bit through the tooth and nail stuff, and um, I was in touch with the guys via social media. Um, and I'm a hockey fan, you know, like a good Canadian. Um, so uh, Jeremiah is a big hockey fan, and a few years back, he invited me down to uh, see the Kings play Montreal, and he didn't know I was a big Montreal fan. So uh, I showed up uh, at uh, Staples Center, and I got my jacket. You know, my other jacket done right up to like my collar. And so uh, say hello, give him a hug. We grab the tickets, go inside, sit down at the game. He's wearing a Kings jersey and I drop my jacket with my Montreal Canadiens jersey right beside him. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, hey, brother. <laughs> yeah, it must have, must have felt good so to that, see him again. So that was a good, it was a good, it was good to see him again. We hadn't seen each other in years and all we did was talk the entire time. Just a couple of, couple of jans. Yeah. So that was really nice, and uh, just got to say, seeing everybody again, working with everybody again, um, incredibly emotional, very powerful, very profound, and very, very positive. Yeah, well, and this was quite a different experience, right, where they were coming in more on weekends to record versus, you know, coming for a month at a time and just doing the whole record at once. Oh, and yeah, yeah, so was yeah, that for sure. Like? I mean, they're, they, they all have families now, right? They're raising, they're raising their own families now. And so we'd work on weekends and, you know, when, or when time would allow. Um, and that kind of got things broken down a little bit, which was 
not our usual way of doing things, but I tried to sort of use that to our advantage um, in the sense of, you know, if the guys were away sitting down, maybe listening to a couple of rough mixes and thinking about, oh, what could we do here? What could, what, what could we do there sort of thing? Yeah, I guess in some um, ways that's maybe even a better way to do it because you have more time and space to, to kind of let the songs breathe, you know, come back, fix a part if, you know, it's not sitting well or oh, something. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 um, and we did a lot of that. Um, I think th- we did a lot of, let's get something down here, see what we're working with, and then came back later and said, okay, well, we need something else here. Something's got to go, something's got to happen here. And started jumping in with those ideas. Um, you know, for this record, the guys had brought in, I don't know, about a dozen songs. Uh, and most of them still hadn't really been completely worked through. Um, and so I was super enthusiastic about that because that meant, all right, well, that means we can change a few yeah. things. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so even like as, as we were tracking this record, we were changing the arrangements on the fly okay. as it was going, as it was going down. So really, there's not much that they came in with on day one that got tracked the same way as they brought it in. Um, we'd lay down some scratch guitar, make sure we had the form of the song right, start working up the drum arrangement based on that, start changing things right there. Yeah. Oh, well, let's throw another part here. Or what if we break down here? Or what if we ride on the crash for the third verse? Or, you know, any myriad of things, right? But starting right there with the basics, we're like, okay, let's start mixing it up. And even to the last couple of songs we had to track, um, or had tracked, and I can remember one that we had drums down and we had a scratch guitar on, And after a couple of sessions, we came back or a couple of weekends, we came back, okay, well, let's put something down on this. And so we're working through the arrangement and we get like to the third verse or the second second chorus or something like that. And I was like, like something oddball. And I was like, what about a key change right here? Oh, cool. And Jackson Jackson looks at me and goes, oh yeah, we can do a key change right here. Oh man, that's awesome. And so we were, we were right up until like the last minute tracking the, the, the basic structure of the songs, we were making changes on the fly. Yeah. And because Slick Shoes straddles the line between sort of what we know as pop punk and also what could almost be considered prog rock right. um, or technical or math rock, if you like that better, um, there's a lot of potential to mix and match parts and take things and run run one part of a song into another part of a song where you wouldn't expect it would ever right. work. But then you try it and like, well, break it down like this and play it like this. And then, whoa, that sounds cool. You know? Um, so we would, we did that a lot on, on this record. Oh, that's awesome. And, and um, my intention going into it was this is going to be heads and shoulders above anything we've done in the past. The arrangements are going to be, way more exciting to listen to the forms are going to be way more exciting to listen to and we're not going to we're going to turn over every stone we can until this sounds like a really developed idea and that was that's where i went into it with yeah that's awesome were you ever worried that maybe they'd lost their touch to you know or ability to play i don't mean that in in a condescending way but it's you know it's definitely happened where bands return after a long period of time and you know they're just not up to par anymore you know, because they're of age or they haven't, you know, kept up with playing. 
or you know after you know after hearing the songs that's obviously not the case but was there ever any kind of like worry of you know is this where's where is this going to land honestly no and that's because of the strength of our relationship from the past and the experience of working with the guys in the past mm. and i just sort of knew based on the kind of people that they were and how committed they are to their yeah. art that there wasn't going to be any issues. Right. And I feel like, in fact, everybody stepped up from where they used right. to be. And we, everybody performed at a higher level than yeah. they used to perform 20 years well, ago. Well, I think what's cool about a band like them is they're coming together because they want to make good music. It's not like, you know, they're coming together after 20 years because they just as a money grab, right? They're not that type of band. And so, you know, they they come in with, with good intentions. You know, they want to make sure that they've come prepared and, and have good songs, you know. I guess on the other side of that argument is they've now had, you know, however many years to get better at their instruments versus, you know, maybe losing that touch. And so I guess it's just, yeah, yeah. back and forth with kind of how different musicians kind of keep up with, with music on those, you know, in those years that they take off in between. Yeah, and I mean, I think the guys have all been active in their own ways, you know, during that time. Like Jeremiah Brown's lost no ground. He's 10 times oh, the bass so player good, now yeah. than he was 20 years ago. Like unbelievable. And um, Jackson's in a position where he feels like he can experiment with what he's doing and be comfortable in his own mm. shoes. Like just do what he wants or what his hands do. Like let him just do it. And he's comfortable with it. And I think Ryan's comfortable with how his voice is developed. Um, you know, everybody's stepped up their game and i think this new record really reflects it like yeah they could have come back at 20 years later and done a sleepy record oh we're trying to you know but that's like you just said that's not their drill right. they have incomes they have families they have jobs they're not doing this for money they're doing this because they love music yeah. and because they love the partnership that they have together right and and whatever happens when those four guys are in the room together yeah. right yeah what were your original thoughts on the songs they had written when they when they came in i was super stoked super super stoked because it was all high energy um and it all was sort of came from that place that we know that band comes from but it's also um seemed like there was there was reaching mm. like that they they were still looking for more and I think what the more stuff is kind of like, Steve, we need to you to help us get the more stuff going right. on. You know, we don't, we're not the ones that sit there in the room and go, what if we did this here? What if we did that there? Like, you've got to make that happen. Like, you've got to make some production decisions that light the record up, that light the songs up, right? That light the vocal parts right. up. Right. You know, like the, the, like Ryan and I worked so hard on those melodies. You know, uh, some of those songs were, we'd come in and we'd start working on them. Okay, well, that's cool. Now let's try this here or try that there. By the time we were done with the song, like we might've changed 50% of it. Yeah. Hmm. You know, but now it's the melody that sticks and now it's the melody you want to hear. Yeah. So when they, when you they know? come in, do, do they kind of play through all the songs they have and you just listen and take notes or what's that process like of, um, you know, when a band like this comes in and you're about to start, what, what kind of steps do you take before you're actually at that point of recording. Right, right. We, we didn't have too much in the pre-prod sense in this record. It was just sort of like, we're coming in and we're going to start throwing this stuff down. And so that's when you're a professional and you've been doing this for a while. 
you can start seeing what's happening as it's happening. Right. And you can start making course corrections and helping the guys to make healthier decisions immediately, mm. you know? And so by the time we had the framework down for whatever is the dozen songs or whatever that we put on the record, we kind of got to that point, but we just sort of came in off the floor and started working it up raw. There was no real, you know, big pre-production, which, you know, on some records I do that on this one. I didn't. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you had posted a few little video clips of the recording sessions and had just made some comments about the music um, that highlights how excited you were about these songs. What were some of those specific moments in the studio that just got you really excited about this record? I think on all levels, Right. Like I think about putting the drums together with Joe and like some of the transitions that we came up with, um, some of the parts that we came up with, how powerful they are. Then like moving on, like with Jackson, like, you know, working with him is working with Jackson's kind of cool because you can just go. All right, well, you have this part, but I'm going to put this guitar in your hand and I'm going to put you through this amp. Um, oh, you have this part. Well, I'm going to put you on this guitar and push you through this amp for that. And so you're being, you're cohesively changing his tone to what he's playing as it's happening yeah. in real time. Mm. And then working with Ryan and going, okay, well, that's the verse, but like, what if the verse was this? And then we sit, we, Ryan and I just sit in chairs together and sing to one another. What about this? Blah, blah, blah. What about this? Blah, blah, blah. And we just go back and forth. Until we go, okay, yeah, that one right there. That's it. And then going, okay, print that. Yeah. You know, to Jeremiah coming in and going, okay, yeah, that's the right bass part. Um, but we need to go high on this part of the song and it all has to be downpicked. And um, I need you to do this here and you need to not play here. Right. And so on it, with, it, with everybody, that's what it was like putting it together piece by piece, right? And every part of it was individual and every part of it was banned and every part of it was detailed and every part of it was also trying to be loose, you know, like so that you don't bring the big microscope out so much that you're like, well, we can't groove this because now we're thinking about it too much. Yeah. Hmm. And so I felt like on this record for the guys, one <laughs> of the things I was able to do was bring a lot of experience together on the production end to help it just go smoother yeah. and get better results quicker and like not getting people frustrated and making people see that stuff was starting to sound better or sound right quicker. Yeah. So they get behind, so they'd get behind it and buy into it and just go with it. Yeah. Cause when you've got four guys that are just going with it and nobody's asking questions, stuff gets done really quick. And when stuff gets done quick, it usually sounds good and fresh and exciting. Yeah. I don't know if they had anybody in the studio taking any video, but those are the kind of things that just make me wish, you know, it's like, oh, man, I would love to just sit in on a session like that or see a video of, you know, where you find that part where it's like, yes, that's the one. And then, you know, then you hear it on the finished right, record. Yeah, yeah. So, Right, right. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, a, yeah. the producer a privilege of, of getting to work with the bands and getting to... Kind of take I, I mean, moments. I shot a little, I shot, I just shot a little bit of stuff on my phone uh, here and there. So we'd have stuff to post, but, uh, I'm about being in the room with the guys and growing this experience. Uh, we're creating a document. I'm not a doc. I'm not a documenter in that right. sense, yeah. you know? And, and if I look back at myself as a person, like, yeah, I like taking photos, but I don't like taking photos of myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd like to remember things sometimes just the way they happened. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, that's part of the and, experience. And maybe talking about it later, maybe talking about it later in an interview, yeah, yeah, you know? You but I don't know how productive it is to get cameras and phones in front of people's faces all the time when you're just trying to vibe yeah. together and enjoy your friendship and enjoy music. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's somebody else's job. Yeah. Yeah. That could be. So the last time you recorded slick shoes, you did it on two inch reel to reel tape. Is that correct? I did actually. The burnout record was recorded on two, two inch machines. Okay. So the, the drums were all recorded on a two inch 16 track machine. And then that machine was locked to a 24 track, two inch machine. Wow. So all the, all the drums, all the drums were recorded on the, 16 track two inch and then all the rest of the instruments were recorded on a 24 track two inch and the two machines are locked together so obviously a big change in uh and how you make records from the last one to this one yeah for sure because back then we didn't this is those are records that i call bpt before pro tools oh there we go <laughs> right so when you're making it when you back in the day when you had a bpt record well you just used a razor blade yeah. there were there, you didn't you that's how you edited and so I would do all my drum edits on a 16 track at 15 IPS, two inch, and I'd slice up the drums there. And then you stripe it with time code and lock that to another tape machine. And then you record your guitars and your bass and your vocals over on the other machine. And so by the time you're done with it, you're dealing with, well, what would he's like the 30? Well, you lose two for time code. So uh, what is that? 36, 34 tracks? No, it's not. It's 42 tracks. No, it's not. Yes, it's 42. <laughs> so yeah, 40, 42 tracks of audio on in analog. Uh, of course, now we're lucky in digital, yeah, right? Because we can do, like a, a, can do 196 tracks of wow. audio on a Pro Tools rig. <laughs> but I still use Pro Tools like I use uh, tape. I record the arrangement as it, as it was meant to be. And there's no alternate takes. There's no choosing. Oh, okay. uh, when it's time to mix, uh, you just push up the faders and you start mixing. Yeah. We don't, uh, that's my, that's the way I work. I don't, there's no alternate takes. It's either the take or it's not the right. take. There's no, uh, there's no, hey, we got four takes of this guitar solo to choose from. Yeah. Was <laughs> no, it? that's not, uh, I'm paid, I'm paid to make decisions. Yeah, well, there I'm, you go. I'm paid to make decisions. I'm, I'm not paid to, uh, to push off decisions to a later yeah. date. Can you think of any specific parts on this record where, where it took a lot of takes? All of them. <laughs> yeah, every single one. Every single so what one would be like the average amount uh, of takes for for a part on this album. Oh my gosh! I mean, you know, Ryan and I might have printed one verse and done it ten or fifteen times okay. until we figured out the melody and we figured out the inflection and figured out the tone and figured out the how much how open it needs to be. Right? Could take fifteen, twenty passes. Yeah. Well, you know, um, drums. Well, you just do it till it's right. I don't even know how many yeah. takes it takes. So do you do, like with a take, you do the whole song from start to finish, or is it kind of in, in pieces? I'm back in the tape days. We do stuff more from start to finish. Now that we have Pro Tools, uh, we'll take parts more sectionally. Okay. Um, and part, part of doing that is just so that you don't have to do a bunch of pre-production, right. like a week of pre-production. You just go, okay, you know what? We changed our minds right now. Let's punch in right now here and change that part. Yeah and play the bridge a different way. You're going to ride on the floor, Tom, instead of riding on the right cymbal. So you can just go ahead and do that, you know? And that's freeing up time, and that's freeing up money, and that's freeing up the band when you're, you know, you're freeing up the band from debt. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's very you know, true. It's yep. so, so, so one, one of the most important things you want to think about as a producer. Free up the band from debt. Mm. Don't put the band in debt. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so, so on this record, I think we did tons of takes. I mean, with Jackson, you know, I'd push him and push him until I felt it was right. And then sometimes he'd go, he'd listen back to it and go, you know what? That one note there, I'm flatting on it a little bit. I can tell I didn't fret it mm. right. So we'd go back in and maybe punch a clip yeah. of that you know but we developed all of these parts and worked up all these parts so they all got tons of takes and tons of talk and tons of input and tons of development this record certainly wasn't made in the dark yeah well that's awesome i can't wait to hear it as a whole so i had asked uh, jeremiah yeah. to give me um, some insight into the process and so i have a few questions uh, for you kind of based on his experience that he said i should ask oh cool so yeah yeah cool. he said what's it like having a band take over your house uh, for the period of time that they're there <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it because um, because the studio is in my house. Um, what we end up having is just a camp out, you know, for a weekend where the guys get together and and we just get to share laughs and share some time and share some com- some com- camaraderie. And that takes a ton of the pressure off, especially when you haven't made a record together in 20 yeah, years. And it means that, you know, you fire up the grill. And everybody gets to eat together, break bread together, yep. you know, sit down and talk over a meal. How nice oh, is that? Yeah. And then you get to talk about stories from 20 years ago. And so for me, welcoming the guys into my home and into the studio, you know, each session, each weekend or whenever it was, to me, were just really, really positive. And, and I just got great memories about the, our times together. Yeah, well, it's awesome. He said something about you having a ladder with a blanket over it to help reduce some of the frequency. I think it was for the, maybe with a kick drum or something. Well, normally, yeah. When I do kick drum, um, I don't like my kick drum to be very roomy. I don't like a lot of room tone from the kick. I like it very direct and very in your face. Um, and so one of the ways that you can do that, um, and there's one of the ways you can do that is simply by covering over the drum. Right. With a packing blanket, with packing Yeah, which blankets. I've seen on lots of pictures, but I'm not sure about the latter part. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the latter the, the part of the part is that I like sometimes to put a kick drum microphone um, outside of the kick drum, put one inside and one yeah. outside. And I like to EQ those microphones. And if you're going to EQ that microphone that's outside the kick drum, and you want to add high end to it, there's one thing you're going to get, and that's cymbals. Right. Yeah. Not not kick drum. So when you place that out, outside kick drum mic out there and then you put a couple of packing blankets over it, it isolates the outside kick drum mic from the rest of the kit and from the rest of yeah, the room. Totally. Not, not, not only is the kick not projecting into the room, but the cymbals aren't projecting into the EQ that you put on that outside kick right. drum mic. And there's some really sweet high-end frequencies on that outside kick drum mic. And the other thing is you don't sort of realize it when you're first kind of tracking drums like how you don't realize literally how much high end it takes to make a record yeah. like you don't even realize like i can't even tell you how much high end is on a metallica you know kick drum like it's insane yeah. wow. you're talking 20 25 db 30 db of high end that they're boosting with eq it's like it's like bob rock says when he talks about the black record he says, well, how, did, how come that record sounds like that? He says, a lot of compression and a lot of EQ. Okay. 
And he ain't, he's not lying, man. They're wrenching on these EQs. If you look at, take a photo of the board on the SSL and look where the knobs are turned, <laughs> you just go, holy mackerel. Are you kidding me? Like that's how much high end they're screaming out into all of those drum sounds to get them sound that attack, right. you know? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that that dry attack. Yeah, those are. So what's going to happen is you're going to like with your kick drum, like that outside kick drum. Like you need high end, all right. So what happens is if you don't add it early and you don't if you don't baffle down the kick drum mic, you're going to go for that attack later on when you're mixing, and you're not going to have any luck because you're it's not going to be there for you to to isolate yeah, and take. Fair, yep. You're gonna you're gonna get cymbals or you're gonna get bottom snare drum mic. You're gonna get all sorts of things. But you're not going to get what you want, which is super, that wet, dry, kick in your face kind of sound. Yeah. You know. Well, that's something that you know most people probably wouldn't pick up, and so I, I love hearing just all the kind of technical things that go into to making a record sound the way it does, and the the ways you kind of have to play around with things and modify, and that's I, I like that. Oh, for sure. I mean, like that. that like Jeremiah was talking about my treatment for the kick drum, but for Joe's drums on that session. I mean, I, I don't know if I've got photos around, uh, but but basically the drums are completely baffled off. There's packing blankets around everything, mm. so that so that the close mics sound absolutely close and in your face, and then that my room mics sound roomy, and that way I can make a blend between the dry and the wet. Yeah. That is that is that has separation, and that's what you're looking for is separation, mm. right? You want to listen to the track in the speakers, and you want to hear every at one moment. You want to be able to pick out every instrument individually and hear it for what it is and at the same time two seconds later you want to hear it all just as a great giant ball right. as a band yeah. and that's the that's the challenge right is mixing getting it to sound like a mix getting it to sound like a band right yeah you know yeah a anything else that that stands out to you about this record that you'd like to share from your your standpoint just uh, just 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 my excitement about the urgency of the songs and how great the songs are and how great the melodies are and how the guys still have something to say. And that I think this might be their best record of all time. Wow. That makes me even all, all the more excited. I mean, the songs they've released already are are all amazing. And uh, I just can't wait to hear it all as a as a cohesive piece. And this... Uh, I can only... I, yeah, I can only speak from the burnout uh, rusty place. But I'm going to go out on a limb right here, right now, and I'm going to say this is the best Slick Shoes record the band's ever yeah, made. Yeah, well, I, and I, I know a lot of that uh, is because of the, the talents and the time and the effort that you put into it. So thanks for blessing us listeners with, with your skills and, and just the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into doing something like this. Hey, I just like music and talking about it, man. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much for your for your time, Steve. And um, I, I know people are going to love kind of getting some of this extra insight into this record. So thanks so much for, for sharing with us today. A a absolutely. And look, if, 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 if it's any indication, the, the positive response that Slick Shoes is getting after not being on the radar for this long, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about this record. And I'm really enthused for the band about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see what this brings for them. I know it's kind of a weird a weird year to be putting out something after so long, but you know, pe <laughs> yeah. people need something to get excited about, so maybe at the same time it's a good time because people need need music to breathe life into them and give them some excitement and something to talk about, so There's a, there's a song in there somewhere. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate that. <laughs> you better. Absolutely, man.